What is fun? I... Let me spell it for you. F is for friends who do stuff together. U is for you and me. N is for anywhere and anytime at all. Down here in the deep blue sea. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. What a Black Rum Podcast presents Child's Play 2019. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I am Ryan from ColdSploitation.com, and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? Take two. This time, he's recording this time. <laughs> uh, last time when we started, wasn't recording. So Got a good eight minutes in. We had Yeah, we had a good discussion, one that you won't be privy to now on the show. Sorry about that. Um, today, we are talking about a movie uh, we had tried to see previously. Um, if you remember our last episode when we did Marriage Story, we talked about perhaps doing Parasite. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to actually watch the movie. It's a little bit on the longer side. And then do the episode as well. So we chose Child's Play from 2019 instead. Or, as you would like to call it, the Aubrey Plaza movie from 2019. Yes. Um, (laughs) Side note here. If you haven't seen Legion, especially season two, uh, you should check it out. Because Aubrey Plaza bears booty in that Quite a bit, actually. Is so, it her booty or CGI booty? Uh, it's her, bro- her booty. You so you sure? should check it out. Legion on FX. It's um, a... Uh, no, I know. I you know, know what, what it is, is right? Yeah. You know, it's a Marvel tie... Sort of Marvel tie-in series. X-Men. Yeah, right. And um, you should check it out if you're interested in Aubrey Plaza. And as I mentioned bef- on the recording that didn't record for you, also check out her Hot Ones episode if you're interested in seeing... Or if you're interested in starting a new fetish, like pouring milk in your eyes and mouth or whatever. That could be a <laughs> fetish for you. So check that one out as well with Aubrey Plaza. Um, I, I was saying that when we were talking about that, uh, I'm really pissed off I didn't come up with that idea. What a brilliant idea. I'm just going to sit down with somebody, eat hot wings, and then just bullshit with them. We should just do it ourselves on the show. Yeah, but there's no really good wing places around here. That's true. But, I mean, we should just eat wings on the show. That'd be fun. And also, for a podcast, it's kind of disgusting sounding. Because you just hear, like, I got to get into the wings. Oh, got the cartilage. Become, uh, you know, Pornhub the podcast or something like that. (laughs) But, yeah, no, it's... It's very distressing to just think about because I watch, I do watch hot ones every now and then with like I'm like oh they got so like Stone Cold Steve Austin on there and I'm like god damn <laughs> god damn it's a hot one yeah rock that one's a hot one yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I you know what also pisses me off just watching them eat them they're so wasteful I hate watching people eat chicken don't, wings don't don't watch me chicken wings because I'm also wasteful I don't just, I don't get it all the way down I I don't. Maybe it's because I'm like most Americans. I'm a quarter Cherokee. And, I don't uh, go out of my way to like pick it clean. Oh, that's me. It's like I get most of the meat and I'm like, all right, that's good. You know, 
The rest of that shit's what cartilage. Look, I, I look. I could eat like oh, forty wings too, like me. some people. If they just you know ate like the main skin and like some, some of the meat. Not I pick them clean. It's very wasteful. Chicken wings aren't cheap these days. Yeah, you are a disgusting carnivore to watch and eat chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so Child's Play 2019. We tried to see this movie. We actually, I think it came out in June, if I'm not mistaken. We gave it a shot. We went to the movie theater. You know, we went with my dad, too. My dad was pretty excited to see this movie. And we were all set to go do the podcast on it. And you know what happened? The fucking movie theater projector broke. So we weren't able to see Child's Play at all. And so we kind of just languished. Here we are seven months, eight months later, trying to do a podcast now about it. It's out of the public eye. I don't know how many people are thinking about Child's Play 2019 anymore. It was right, as I say, it was right around when the live action uh, Lion King came out. Yeah. I think it was June, if I remember correctly. And, um... You know what? We're sorry. We're sorry we're late on this one. But, uh, you know, we decided to do it for one thing because we meant to do it before. And then also because we've already done the original Child's Play. And it just makes sense. We like to keep things clean and organized. And we do, you know, if we're we completionists. Huh? We're completionists. That's right. If we do, if you do the, the original, Gotta do the whole we like damn to thing. do the remake. And if we do the first one, we like to do the sequels. And it just makes things organized. So you can bet that we were going to do it at some point. Um, and to remind you, too, that, yes, in 2019, there was a remake of Chalice Play. That's right. Because, to be honest, you're right. I don't know. I haven't many, heard much about it since. I don't know how many people would probably remember, you know, remembered that it came out. I was but, actually reading, um, and I'm, like, like everything I'm behind in. So I was reading a Fangoria magazine from, um, I think it was um, Spring. And it had a a uh, cover story, maybe not cover story, but it had an article on child's play. And then a lot of the other um, um, puppet films that were coming out at that time, like Annabelle, um, the creation, whatever the, whatever the new Annabelle was. I can't remember if it was Annabelle creation or Annabelle, whatever, you know, there was a sequel. Is that a spinoff of the conjuring? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, But there was a new Annabelle movie coming out, and there was Child's Play coming out, and there was The Boy, uh, there was Brom, The Boy 2 coming out. And what I find funny is that The Boy 2 is not out yet. It actually got pushed back to a February release. So while I was late reading that article (laughs) about it, I'm actually timely because The Boy 2 is coming out in like a week or so. Well, maybe they realize there's goddamn there's too many puppet films. Too many puppet films at one time, yeah. And like... We, you know, like, we wouldn't think right. this would be a thing, yeah. but you know, all of a sudden it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, so with Child's Play, um, definitely was interested to check it out just because um, I do really like the first film. Um, while Child's Play 2, 3, and then the rest of them kind of mm. got into a much more um, uh, wacky, tongue-in-cheek sort of series, the first film is actually really um, – it plays it really uh, straight and um, – is uh, definitely a very uh, horror-oriented movie rather than a comedy-oriented movie. And uh, so when we covered it, we actually said a lot of good things about the original Child's Play. We said it was, uh, you know, it was effective. Um, we we liked the... Um, Better than remembered. What's that? Better than we remembered. Better than we remembered. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. 
Um, and so I was interested to see what they could do with this new child's play because, um, you know, this was marketed as something that was going to sort of step outside the box of what we think of when we think of child's play. Um, and the other funny thing about child's play is that there, at, at about the same time, there was a um, there was a release that not only was there going to be a new child's play movie. There's also going to be a new Child's Play TV series, and the TV series was going to be more of a straight-up representation of Child's Play, whereas the movie was sort of going to move away from the, you know, the normal telling of Child's Play that uh, we're used to. And so it was kind of interesting that we have two conflicting – it's almost like um, the DC franchise and Joker. Now, you've got – the Suicide Squad with Joker in it, and you've got a new movie that's called Joker that's not even connected with the DC universe at all. And the same thing is kind of true of this Child's Play announcement, where you had Child's Play, the movie that's coming out. It's not really connected to um, the original in any way besides being a remake. And then you have Child's Play, the TV show, which actually is connected to the original because Don Mancini is um, either like producing it or writing for some of it. Um, he has a very solid part in making that TV show. So you, you have two competing child's plays going on at the same time and you know one must win. Which one is going to come out of the gladiatorial battle um victorious. Um so that's really interesting. But watching 2019 child's play uh, you definitely see that they've gone in a very different direction for this movie than the original Child's Play. They've really kind of – they've taken one single thing about the film being that there is a a puppet that comes to life and that's pretty much the only thing that Child's Play from 1988 and Child's Play from 2019 have in common, I would say, except for characters named yeah. Andy. As well. The setting, the apartment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, those things are in homage to the mm-hmm. original, but the actual storyline itself seems to, you know, it veers significantly away from what the original was doing, which had a supernatural uh, puppet voiced by Brad yeah. Dorif. Yeah. yeah. Voodoo that, to almost, I think, to a detriment at this point, because. By the time this film is made, 2019, you have apps. You have technology everywhere. Ooh, spooky, mm. spooky, spooky, you know. Yeah, do you think? Because um, <laughs> I can name like a whole bunch of movies from the 2010s alone that have kind of uh, this motif. Do you think that um, by 2019, Charles Play is actually sort of outdated in its portrayal of... Uh, Apps and self-driving cars and no, because it. I think it's more accurate, but at the same time, we've had RoboCop the remake, we've had Terminator Genesis, you've had like a bunch of films that have come out that have, like kind of dealt with like this whole like technology creeping in with like apps and the same sort software. of themes, right? So I mean, it's like at this point it's just it's basically like just riffing on Amazon. Is it really saying anything differently than those no, other films? No, it's it's I mean I think it I mean it makes sense for the t- you know the time period that's taking place now, but by 2019 we spent almost a good 10 years we're living in the world of apps and all of that. So it's like you, you kind of missed the boat. Um I kind of find it interesting because 
One thing that really peeves me about movies that are about apps and technology and things like that is when the apps and technology look really dated in the movie. So I'm thinking of the buddy um, uh, app that's on the phone that doesn't really look like an app. It looks like a very shitty app. <laughs> Almost like a Newgrounds like game. Like, yeah, right. Know. Exactly. Those things really like take me out of the realism of the film when they have stuff like that where – you can you look at it and you're like, oh, it's goggle.com. <laughs> you know, the search engine, goggle.com. Uh, is it, uh, does it make you uh, more mad than Robocop when uh, – not Robocop. Uh, Terminator Genesis where the software was sorry sold one trillion copies before. I'll be honest with you. I don't really remember anything about Terminator <laughs> Genesis. That's how much of an impression it left on me. See, we did an episode. No, but, uh, I no. don't even remember. In fact, I think it's like our longest episode still to date. Probably. Like, like three hours long. No, because <laughs> yeah. I remember specifically yeah. when we were watching that, when they were talking, about the, lo- they, vaguely, we were talking about the launch of the Genesis software that yeah. they already sold like 100 billion I, I copies. And that. you were yeah. like, You've already sold yeah. 100 billion. I, I do vaguely remember that saying that now. Yeah, that that it was like ri- a ridiculous number. <laughs> Just like, what? No, how many people are buying this? But the, 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 like this, like being in the this movie, this is like the Kmart version of Jeff Bezos and mm-hmm. Amazon. Yeah, but it's, it's called like, Zedmart. It's Zedmart because they're in Canada. That's the only reason I can think of. That they would name this place Zedmart because they're the only people that call Z's Zeds. Well, well, not the only people, but the I know that the film is shot in Canada, and I just it's, it's Canadian. Totally stands out. It's Canadian, and I say I say that, and I'll use the oft used phrase when you say something that really should offend people. I have a Canadian friend, <laughs> so I can say that that they say, that they have they use Z for well, Z's. I was gonna say we're the only ones that say Z. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just joking, but it distinctly feels Canadian. Didn't see a bag of all dressed chips. That's right. No, we but, didn't. But I mean, like, so I understand what they were going for with this, like, theme and motif. But like I said, at the same time, it feels very just like. How do we update Child's Play? Right. Well, Voodoo seems kind of goofy in 2019, so... Potentially racist. <laughs> you know, yeah. so just, <laughs> just make it about tech, you know, yeah, technology and apps. Boogity-boo! Yeah. And, you know, this isn't really a novel idea. We've had a lot of stuff. We've had puppets and things like that before that even, like, in the 1990s were based on like technology and the same sort of idea that, you know, there was like a rogue computer program rather than what we, not what we call apps now, but there was a rogue computer program that ran rampant and couldn't be controlled. And yeah, it's called Skynet. Yeah, exactly. It's not a novel idea. I I would say, Um, which I guess is something that it's not necessary for your horror film to have a particularly novel idea about something like technology. I wouldn't say that Child's Play has to reinvent the wheel on the ter- in terms of the theme of the film. Um, but with that said, I do feel sometimes it away, like it's... It, t- it takes away the uniqueness, though. It does, yeah. And I do feel like sometimes ch- this Child's Play iteration, um, while sort of unique in the way that it actually um, 
displays Chucky as a character. Um, I do find that I felt I often felt like it was actually behind the times sometimes, or way too on the nose at other times. Like um, you know, having the Tesla self-driving car that's called Caslin. I was thinking more like Uber. Oh, like um, that the app itself is sort of like Uber yeah. calling a. I, mean, I, I wasn't even thinking of Tesla, but I think it's like uh, sort of like a, you know, it's like a reference to Tesla having his self-driving cars and uh, having this like, you know, so almost like an entire monopoly over all of technology. I don't get why people would be so excited for that. Kind of like when that nice, that was a good Super Bowl ad with John Krasinski and Rachel Dratch and uh, Smart Pot. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, every time I see Rachel Dratch, I keep thinking like she's just like an older Amy Poehler. She's I like, love seeing Rachel Dratch. For a little while, she disappeared from the edge of the earth, and now she's back. <laughs> but she like found her, out like, the earth's like not her, flat. Yeah, I know, but like her facial features kind of just remind me of like you know like an older like uh, Amy Poehler. Mm-hmm. But I just like like you know like I, maybe it's because like I've seen too many like uh, sci-fi films in my life. But like this idea, like yeah, because it drives you wherever. Like I, it's unsettling. That's unsettling to me. Well, you like driving, in and of itself, and so sure, I can understand why you might not like that. Yeah, but, but I don't like. Who, I I don't like the idea of not being in control. Of that like so, like a machinery like that. I am, like, but then again, fine with it. But it's it's, this, it's the same thing with like when I saw, talked to you before about like you know the ghost in, in the shell anime. Like plugging right into the internet and then like the possibility of being hacked. I was like, I would literally be like the guy that's like, no thanks. I don't need uh, cybernetics in my brain to hide, you know, hijack into just no. Yeah, I'm fine with a self driving car if there was one that was reliably working right now that I could get for an affordable <laughs> for an affordable price. I would, I would probably get it because well, now you know I'm driving about an hour like every other day, or I'm sorry, two hours every other day uh, back and forth. And you know what? I totally trade. I told I'd, I'd rather read a book or something, or you know, play Switch instead of sitting in the car just fucking got my got my foot on the pedal, and I got my hand on the wheel, and I'm yeah, going man. you know standard speed. I would much rather be doing anything else besides that because it's so sound, fucking boring. It's just so like, boring. Sounds like hell to me. So boring. So boring. Uh, so I can understand why someone would order a smart car, especially if it's free. Did they say – did they not say that it's free? No, I don't think – I thought I thought that they said – They didn't really establish that because I was – I, I kind of missed it, I guess. But I thought Andy was saying when she was working – when when um, the detective's mom was working with the app, and we're sort of jumping all over the place <laughs> in the storyline here. People are – they didn't see it. They're not following at all. But I'll say that there's a you know there's a detective that lives next door to Andy, and he's over for, for dinner, and his mom's talking about – this app that can drive people around. And so I thought Andy said that this is an app. It'll drive you places and it's free. I thought they said that, but maybe yeah, I how misheard. They make any, well, yeah. Well, how would they make any money off that? Just off a of goodwill? I don't know. Uh, yeah, here's your Not ca- like they got to employ anybody. Here's your captain car. It just pulls up and boop, boop, boop. It's a socialist economy in this uh, child's play future. It's trying to show you, and the that's real why hell. that's why no one's concerned. The real hell. That's why no one's concerned when they're like um, cut or something one time because they're like, I'm just gonna go to free healthcare. I'm just gonna I'm just go to the hospital. No problem. That's like that guy that pops up at the end, sort of like 
after he gets uh, sliced and diced by Chucky the first time, and then he pops up uh, in his mascot suit where the drone flies into him. And he's almost like, I'm good, I'm okay, you know, it's fine. And the drone flies into him in comedic timing. Uh, that guy was probably thinking, thank God we have socialism and universal health care. I'm, I'll, be, I'll be just fine. I won't be in uh, financial ruin after I go to the hospital for you know, this I was gonna say, for his modern times, you'd be popping up like, please kill me! <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. Like, I didn't die! I need to! <laughs> Otherwise, I, I won't make it. That's right. I'd rather have the payout to my family than my life insurance policy. That's right, that's right. Okay, uh, let's take a break real quick. Um... And we will talk. Like half an hour in. We're finally getting to beer talk. Ah, I don't know, like 20 minutes in. We'll take a break real quick. I swear I'm going to probably – I'm going to try to add ads in here at some point, at least for like other podcasts. I don't want to just – I don't want to just say take a break and then we just go directly into our next segment. It's like we should have some other type of – my cat is going (laughs) fucking insane in here. (laughs) It's time for a cat break. Um uh, but I, I don't want to have – I don't want to just say let's take a break and we literally don't take a break and we go right into the next segment. That's stupid. Why would I say – why would I just say let's – I don't know. I don't know. Oh, ad break here. We'll say that. One of these days we'll get sponsored by like you know somebody important. Like, I'll work on it. Yeah. Like Blue Chew or – Geico. NordVPN. Um, one of those mobile games. Audible. Yeah, Clash of Clans or – yeah. Uh, whatever that one is, I, I, the one that I always see with like YouTube. There's something uh, I can't remember what it is now, but it makes me angry every time it comes on. Because hey, fun fucking... fact: we're actually sponsored by Rick and Morty. <laughs> Morty, hey Morty, do you like that Pringles commercial? Oh yeah, Rick and Morty. I actually did because. Because it was it was so out there that I feel like a lot of people that don't know Rick and Morty were just questioning it, like what the fuck is this what what is this commercial I don't even understand it <laughs> so I liked it because I like anything like that where people are just like they don't they don't know the joke so they're just like what? that was stupid I don't understand it okay for real though let's talk about the beer that we have on the show today because I went out of my way to get it today for us and we should talk about it we should ru- we should go through it so i basically picked it up because of the name the name the beer is called shoegaze and i like shoegaze i like my bloody valentine i like yezu my um, bloody valentine shoegaze yeah are you all pumped up for the my chemical romance tour no I've been seeing ads for Dashboard Confessional, too, on Facebook. Somebody should pay me to go to the My Chemical Romance Tour. For, for sure. What about Coheed and Cambria? Nope. Moved on from them, too. <laughs> After I was 16. Is it tra- Is it tra- you can <laughs> None of those. No, but I picked this beer up because I like the name. Shoegaze. Can's pretty cool too. Nice abstract. Maybe I, I said now I feel like I have I been mislabeling My Bloody Valentine as a band this entire time. Why? What did you think they I were? Know. I thought they were like Dashboard and yeah, Coheed and no, Trave and no, not at all. My Chemical Romance. Have you listened to them? 
don't know. I'm probably sure you had Loveless, some... the no. no? You have start... to go and listen to them because don't they start are naming they, because like immediately, immediately you will see that you were wrong, and that they are not like those bands at all. Um, I know because now, now I feel like you. I'm like I, I'm, I like, I like true emo. I like American football. That's right. Uh, no, definitely. My bloody Valentine definitely is shoegaze, and um, you know, in the same vein as like slow dive. Lo- you don't know these bands, but good, good genre. Sky. Good genre. Um, Gregor Samsa is another one, although they would probably be more classified as slowcore. Um, but anyway, listen to all these bands because I'm talking about it, um, and also. I really like this this name, Shoegaze. I like it. That's why it stood out to me. And so I picked it up. Um, the brewer is Stillwater Artisanal, which Stillwater is actually fairly cl- a, a town that's fairly close to us. And it has nothing to do with Stillwater <laughs> Artisanal. Because <laughs> I looked it up. I was like, Stillwater? I didn't know they had a brewery there. Um, they don't. This is actually from Brooklyn. By the way... Maybe it's just because I'm the old man on the lawn. Kind of hey, how Brooklyn gets promoted as its own town. Hmm. You're one of the boroughs. Yeah. You're part of New York City. It's true. Get back in line. <laughs> but this, uh, this Stillwater Artisanal Shoegaze is a farmhouse pale ale. Saison. Saison pale ale. And uh, I thought that that sounded really interesting. I mean, we've had some before. We've had a Saison Pale Ale previously, I think. Um, but it's an I mean, interesting... We've had Saisons. Yeah, know, I, don't, like I don't know. I mean, I think mix I, up on... I've had a Saison Pale Ale before. I don't know if we've had it on a show before. Uh, but they're interesting because they have uh, two sort of really conflicting ideas at hand. First of all, not a lot of people make farmhouse or Saison style beers. It's not. It's just not a really um, popular beer right now. Um, so it's interesting to see them mash together. And, and it's not a Belgian pale ale. It's like an, kind of like an English style. Yeah, so. yeah. So this one is interesting because it does have a unique flavor to it. It does have a uh, the pale ale nature to it, uh, almost like a citrusy sort of New England pale, New England IPA style. Uh, without as much hops as a New England IPA, I would say. It's, it's definitely a pared-down hoppy. So it's probably what you would call a New England pale ale, like the um, Rec League from Harpoon. Um, and then it has the clovey, banana-y nature of the Saison, the farmhouse ale, that sort of comes out at the end of the beer. And one thing that I described is that it sometimes actually – to me, tastes like almost like a margarita because it has a salty texture to it that I get towards the end of the the beer that tastes like that tequila salt mix in a margarita, and that's that's kind of what I get from it, which is interesting. Um, it's a it's a weird style, but I like this beer, and I think it's pretty good. And I'm waiting for your decision oh, this, on this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. It took me a while. Like, it took me about three quarters of the way to get through because when you said it was a farmhouse pale ale, I was thinking it was just a pale ale. And as I was originally drinking it, I felt like 
as I because I checked into Untapped and I'm like, it says it's a saison. This tastes nothing like a saison. And so because I was really tasting the more multi hoppy aspects of a pale ale, like it, ha- it does have a very malt forward presence to it. Yeah, but a juiciness of a Nipa, so it makes sense that it's like you know trying to be like a New England pale ale. However, after getting like maybe three quarters of the way through the beer, maybe it's because my palate was slowly building on it. That back end is pure, like it is like t- drinking a saison. It's got that nice banana, clove, nutmeg, you know, fruitiness to it, which you know, as I've said before a thousand times on this podcast. Saisons and Belgians are one of my favorite styles of beers. I really love that, you know, crisp, refreshing taste that you get from them with all the yeast and the malt and the fruitiness. Mm-hmm. So after, like, getting through one, I got I definitely saw that mashup. Um, I like it. I think it's very interesting in a pair that does after, at least for me, it took a while for my taste buds to kind of configure and sort them out and get what they're going for. I think it's a unique mashup. I do appreciate because the pale, pale ales are kind of a rare thing these days. You know, thinking about like 10 years ago when Saranac's pale ale and Sierra Nevada's pale ale was like the standard bearer. Now, you know, when's the last time you've had one? Because, you know, pale ales aren't really considered like... Probably that beer. harpoon pack, actually. Yeah. Which and is, then, was all like all different pale ales. And the fact that, I mean, we're just kind of blessed because Alma Gang's a Belgian-style brewery, so we get saisons around here as much as we want. But overall, when you look at other brewers, you don't really ever see them exploring, you know, Belgian styles that much. Yeah. So I I think, you know, I appreciate it. It was really good. I would get this. It's a nice, crisp, refreshing beer with a lot of different flavor profiles to it that kind of slowly build upon itself very um i I would almost say it's like you know nice ambitious brew it is yeah i mean i'm interested to check out more because they're they're trying different things here and now just imagine if we were finally to get like a white ipa back yeah somebody to put a you know belgian wheat in a nice ipa together that's right that's right that would be nice that'd be nice i'm still waiting come on saranac bring the white ipa back that's true. They should do that. All right. So, yeah, Stillwater Artisanal. Check out the Shoegaze, the Farmhouse Saison Paleo. Brooklyn, New York beer. I like the can. Yeah, I do, too. I like it's the nice name. and um, kind of vapor-wavy. Yeah. Sho- shoegazy, vapor-wavy. Love it. Fun times, fun times. A lot of good, a uh, lot of good uh, music to check out from this show. <laughs> All right, so on to um, Aubrey Plaza. I mean, Child's Play. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I don't have much of a crush on Aubrey Plaza, but you do. How you do. dare you? She's okay. She'll always be April Ludgate to me. See, I never really watched Parks and Rec, so actually, um, in Child's Play, some of Bear McCreary's. Uh, Themes kind of sounds like Parks and Rec theme, like the. The funniest thing is the first time I ever saw her was in like 2007, 2006, in like a web series for ESPN, Kenny Main's Main Street oh. comedy bits. 
She was in there with Kenny Maine. Huh. Well, she's come a long way. She's now in a main (laughs) feature film. Listen, it's about her humor. Very dry sense of wit. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, in this film... Love that Daria style way. It actually works pretty well as well because she's, um, you know, she's uh, a little different from the mom in the original Child's Play from 1988. She's Who's your stereotypical 80s mom? Well, she's a mom and she's nice and she's a good mom, but she's also sort of like the necessary aloof mom as well. The one who, you know, hates her job and is... is uh, not perfect. And I think that works out pretty well because she's like, you know, obviously it's because she needs a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's obviously a younger mom too, because a lot they, the film makes use of the fact that Aubrey Plaza doesn't look that old in this movie. And so it, a, a lot of times appears like she's, um, Andy's sister in this. She and so, made a joke saying like, she got really busy at her sweet 16. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's other, someone, uh, there's a, one of uh, Andy's friends who says, uh, your sister's hot. And then he says, it's my mom. He's like, even better. <laughs> Appealing to all of the uh, MILF searching demographic on Pornhub. God bless American Pie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think she does a, a good job in Child's Play. I honestly think she, uh, it's definitely more of her down-to-earth roles and not like overly sarcastic roles. Mm-hmm. She's pretty straight throughout the entire thing. Yeah, I think it's her sort of uh, mitigating some of the extremities in in all of her roles. Um, she's got, you know, she. I think she plays it really well. She plays it somewhat straight, but she's also, um, and the film itself has some comedy in it too. That it's it's not attempting to be a completely straight horror film. It understands the tongue in cheek nature of what the context of this movie is about. And so it doesn't play everything extremely straight. And so you do have character moments where everybody has sort of like little bits of comedies interspersed here and there. And I think they use that to Aubrey Plaza's advantage as well, um, where she gets to have some of those deliveries, but also be more of a a straight person in comparison to um, Mark Hamill, who gets all of the, um, you know, one-liners and things like that, that, that Chucky, would be known for um so but i think she does a pretty good job here um just not something it's not as uh you know it's not as um normal a role that Aubrey plaza would plaza would have and i think she does a pretty good job with it it's not and also the other thing we should mention is that it's not a huge role either it's not like um are you kidding me she's top billing She's top billing, but to be honest with you, as should I should have been saying, the kid. Yeah, as I was saying to you, this movie is like if you took Are You Afraid of the Dark and then just put a bunch of gore in it, and you were like, you know, it was a Nickelodeon movie that they're like, viewer discretion advised. You know, when they when so they it's a it. random mic, uh, matchup of uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark and Harriet the Spy and Snow Day. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because um, for one thing, this did get an R rating. And I almost expected it to be a PG-13 rating, especially watching it and seeing all of the kid antics that are a part of this movie. Um, Which, by the way, too, they were totally going for the modern, like, he, like, how old is he? He's like seven years old. Of course he's running around being like, fuck this, fuck that, ho, 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 you know. I don't think he's well, seven, right? He's like 12. I don't, they don't say, but I, I mean, don't know how old he is. It's just hard to judge because, um, yeah. 
Because in the first film, the kid's four years old. But, you know, like the most of this movie is not out of place in something like a Goosebumps episode, um, like Night of the Living Dummy or some of the the more recent Goosebumps movies, except that it does have a lot of violence and, um, you know, swearing and obvious things that R rated movies have. And so I thought that was funny because you could sort of splice this together and make a nice Goosebumps episode out of it. Because there's a lot of... You don't need to see that fat man get his balls, you know, stabbed. Yeah. There's a lot of pre-adolescent... Um, humor. Humor and stuff that happens here that would work really well in a young adult television show. And so I was surprised at that. And a lot of it, too, is sort of like... Um, we talk about whimsical a lot on this movie, or on, on this podcast, <laughs> for a lot of movies. And like we said that about Twilight Zone, the movie. But this does have... A lot of some somewhat whimsical natures about it. Um, for one thing, you know, some of its its music soundtrack and tone is whimsical. And you have Mark Hamill's Chucky doll, who has uh, sort of like the ET finger <laughs> waving it around and causing you know Die Hard and Death Wish style car crashes. <laughs> um, Don't you love too that he's just from being a malfunctioned chip, he can hack into any other system and be like, yes, all of a sudden I can control this car. Yeah, like the – because Kaslin in this movie has created like basically every single app and smart device that you need in your home. And so everybody is using Kaslin. The Kaslin app calls a smart car and – Well, you said it's social society, so there's only one. There's only Yeah, there's only one app and it's Kaslin. There can only be one. And that's what I find interesting about this too is that no one stopped and thought like, you know what? (laughs) This child's doll, maybe it shouldn't have unbridled access to like the heating system and cars. Maybe we should have outsourced this labor to uh, low-wage Vietnamese workers who might be disgruntled at some point. (laughs) Yeah. You know, able to hack and like, you know, change the protocols. I like because the fact that he the worker gets pissed off, he changes the protocols to get rid of like the violence and anger protocols. It's like they had to set in for this doll, like, well, how's he gonna know like for safety protocols, like, well wait, how's he gonna know that he shouldn't do that? Well let's program him to be able to do all this stuff and then be like, that's the violent protocols. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah, Don't so, do that. So one the thing about violence inhibitors though and a doll that you have that we're we're taking into consideration is that since you know like since they have violence inhibitors in Chucky that indicates that there was like somebody who had to sit down and program like um what would be a what would be some violence like okay. arson not a good idea Chucky <laughs> or a buddy I guess is the buddy you know arson not good Stabbing grandmothers probably shouldn't do it, uh, you know. And somebody had to go and program Man all that. Slaughtering kittens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pra- stay away from that. Uh, you know, cutting off a man's face, not nice. So don't do it. Using tillers for not garden activities. Yeah. Oh yeah, and so so that's like. Yeah, I like that too. The violence inhibitors, you know, you could just willy-nilly just like turn them off. Do you like though that they've updated to like be like it's a, you know, technology takeover instead of like it being voodoo? Well, as I said, I feel like this – it makes sense and I'm okay with it because I think that it makes this Child's Play remake unique enough where it's not like – 
um, some of the other remakes that we've had that come out and they're like basically exactly the same as the original film. And you're like, why am I watching this? Because I literally have seen it before. Um, I think this one goes in a different direction and I'm fine with that. And it makes it, it, it's still child's play, but it's, it's definitely a different type of child's play. I'm okay. I'm cool with that. That's fine. I think it's on the nose though. I feel like, you know, it could have been written a little bit more, um, implicit than it is. And so what you end up taking away from it is just like hammered into you. By you know, by the the writing, like look at this smart cars attached to apps, bad. Uh, your your home smart system can be hacked by a puppet, bad. Um, uh, you you have uh, cameras everywhere, bad. You know, there's a pervy guy in your apartment that's probably spying on you right now. So bad, bad stuff all around. Be aware of the camera. Be aware of you know, small your child's doll because it probably has a camera in it i think it was on the nose and i I, you know it's fine but like as we said there's there's been movies that have done this uh same theme and they've done it in a more nuanced way and i just feel like this one is like very on the nose and that's and sometimes that's okay i think that this film is kind of tongue-in-cheek anyway and so some of the some of the elements to it aren't really meant to be taken extremely realistically or seriously um but I, I felt like it was a little too on the nose in in places. I, I'd agree with the sentiment. I just um, everything that you said, I agree with. I just I'm confl- I'm just conflicted with though, just because like one of the things to me that makes the original Child's Play you very unique is like the whole like how Chucky becomes a thing, like it's the whole voodoo. And here, where they're just being like, "Yep, it's just a nap that went haywire." It's kind of like, ah, oh. you I don't think, get to see Brad Dorf like lying, like oh, I'm dying. Let me conjure, like you know. And all of a sudden, you get the lightning cloud, like you know, striking down. Like I'm gonna save my life. Like I, I understand why they didn't do it, but at the same time, it's kind of like uh, you went like one of the at least one of the unique ideas from the first film. It's kind of gone. I yeah. guess <laughs> one of the things that does stand out though about this one is that. Um, you could almost find like a little bit of sympathy for Chucky in this in that he's utilizing machine learning, right? He's utilizing, you know, what humans teach him. And then he is sort of he's going too far with his emotional attachment to Andy to the point where he just doesn't recognize like, you know, I'm too attached to this kid. Um and so he doesn't have that like process in place to say this is the line, this is where I stop. You know, don't murder that cat because he scratched Andy. Well, that inhibitor was taken out. Yeah. <laughs> so you almost have like that little bit of of sympathy for Chucky because he's not like in Child's Play, the original, where Brad DeRiff is just like a murderous prick. Yeah, maniac who is just like, you know what? I'll kill this kid. I don't care. I'll kill him. Will it work? Can I be transported into this kid's body? I don't know, but I'll try it. Um, so that's sort of like – the original child's play where he's like got nothing to lose. He sort of has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And so you're just, you know, consistently rooting against Chucky. Whereas in this film, um, you can, at least in the beginning, it starts out like a sort of like a toy story 
where it's like, oh, Chucky, he's so sweet. He's such a sweet <laughs> Just Imagine yeah. as they're frolicking about, you got a friend yeah. in me. He's such a sweet little guy. And you know? That'd be a great montage. He's like stabbing all the people in the toy store. You got a friend in me. Yeah, he's such a sweet, sweet little puppet. And Please, whoever did the Holiday Road uh, mashed with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, make that a thing now. Ten years later. I want to see You Got a Friend in Me mashed up with yeah. Chucky murdering everyone in the toy store. So, I, I mean, I think I, I I like that. I think it's, uh, you know, it's fine. It works. Um, I don't think, so the writing is, is not particularly strong in this movie. Um, but it works okay because it's a fun and really puff, puffy uh, film. You don't really need to think about too much. You just kind of watch it, and it, you know, for 90 minutes, it just rolls, and you just roll with it. And uh, sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's 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 fun. It has uh, it not has every, its, uh, not every film has to be uh, Jean Luc Godard film. That's right. Like, yeah. Yes. And it just you know it has its moments where uh, it has comedy elements. It has um, some excessive violence and gore. Um, it has um, an homage to uh, the original in many ways. You know, we talked about uh, the apartment, which looks really, really similar to the original Child's Play. Um, you know, the same type of mom works in a department store that she hates. Um, I'm, sing- I'm, that's one of the things that's bugged me, though, is we were talking about watching the film. The film can't decide whether or not it's modern or yeah, kind of stuck in the 80s, too, it, because Zedmar has- looks like it's like, you kind of look like Toys R Us. How are you still in business? You know. Yeah. Not only that, but um, Zedmark kind of makes me think of like when you go into the Dollar Tree and you see like they have like smart stuff too, right? So they have like a smart <laughs> iPad, but it's, but it's a knockoff yeah. iPad. So you know, like when you when you get that home, you're gonna have it's like Chinese writing your, on the. It's not gonna connect. Yeah. Your, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's gonna work for like three days, and you're gonna be like, ah, damn. <laughs> It broke already. Like they have her dressed in like a uni- like you know, an out like her uniform is like from like nineteen eighty five. Like, yep, it's browns and beiges and then a bright blue scion out, you know, vest and Yeah. And she's so, still I, using a cash register from the eighties too, you know. Yeah. Like, it's it's sort of like in the Evil Dead as well, you know, that sort of Yeah, the S Mart type of uh of um yeah. store design. Yeah. But then also you're right, you don't know kind of like they, they don't really Sometimes they they don't fit in with each other with the time frame because the other thing that stands out is the very uh, jingle all the way esque way that people are lining up for Buddy Two, which is the new doll that's coming out. It's supposed to blow away the original Buddy in every way, and so people are just sitting at the front of Zed Mart waiting for this doll. But if if this society has advanced so much where they have smart driving cars and, and an app that's connecting them to the entire world, then why aren't they just sitting at home waiting on the uh, Kaslin website just saying like, yep, order this one. Drone will bring it to me tomorrow. I'm pretty sure I saw Sinbad in there. Like, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, he tackled somebody. I think I saw that too. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're right. But it is modern in the fact like with like an Apple thing like, hey, guys, guess what? Got the iPhone 10? The 10 out now! Yeah, it's already outdated. It's out! Yeah. And that's, you know, 
I find it interesting that um, there was also that scene where the creepy uh, maintenance guy or landlord or whatever at the, their apartment complex finds the buddy doll in the trash when they try to when Andy tries to get rid of him for the first time. So on eBay. You know, yeah. people, I didn't even know people still use eBay. Anyway, and he wants to use eBay to sell this Buddy doll, but it's like, why bother? Because Buddy 2 is coming out. We've already seen that Buddy 1 is going to lose all its value. It doesn't even make sense. Because it's retro. I guess. But there's a lot of like um, logic drops in this film <laughs> and like plot holes that just don't really make sense. The other thing that, that stands out to me <laughs> is um, there's uh, that part where Aubrey Plaza's boyfriend – Goes home to his family because he's cheating on them. Which, by the way, what a twist! Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. finding out that Steve's an asshole because because he's yeah. We already know he's an asshole. <laughs> I mean, we don't really need to be reminded of it by him having a family too. But um, but do he you, goes. Do you find that part necessary? Finding out, like you know, like, oh, he's actually got a oh, wife like where he where there's wife. like that surreptitious like slip yeah. on the uh, wedding ring and yeah. stuff. No, I mean, obviously, he's already like. He's like feeling good about beating up or beating down a twelve-year-old boy. Well, he doesn't. I, I would, you know. Here's the thing, though. He isn't like. He's not abusive to the kid. He just yells I mean, at him like once for being. I mean, like, he's kind of. What's your fucking? I mean, he's, he's actually physical, and you know, as a as a. Uh, well, in that one, I was saying, I'm saying, that, I mean, that's I'm really saying that one instance, but for the most part, he's like, the kid, don't fucking like me. Yeah, I guess. You yeah, know, which I always thought was kind of you know weird watching it. It's like the kid don't fucking like you, you know. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Tough, tough yeah. noogies. But I, yeah, you're still, I mean, you're still with that Aubrey Plaza. I mean, you can you, you know. can get that he's an asshole because I I do I find that like whole bullying sequence where he's like, you got something to say to me? You say it to me like a man. You say it to me like he's yeah, like it's twelve like, years old and he's just like, mm, what yeah, to say? I don't know what to say. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like no, a, I know. He's a dude. I'm <laughs> I'm saying. I, <laughs> It would have been better if the f- I think it would have been better though. I don't think most films would do it these days. They like they went the extra mile and actually like had him like hit him or something. Yeah, because just him be like, "Come on, if you got a problem, say it like a man." You know, like like a fucking frat guy douche bro. <laughs> yeah, and then be like, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Listen, I mean, Ronnie Howard Jr. You know, no one's no one's afraid of you. But then then we get to see him like, oh, I'm just going home. Okay, hold on. He put the ring on. It was hey kids. Yeah, you. that was pretty funny. I mean, it was it was. I don't think we needed that. It was like it was totally. You know, you already know that he's a douchebag. You're it's, it's hitting you over the head with it if you're talking about you know him going. Home uh, to is his it family, supposed to make but. us feel better that he gets you know chewed up by the tiller? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But we but don't the, even see his wife. We just see her in the very far background. And you were saying, was it worth it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. I don't know if that's good or bad, but you were making the exception. Like, well, maybe we need to see the wife. <laughs> was it worth it? <laughs> was there a reason for you know, Aubrey Plaza is very uh, enticing, you know. But uh, but one thing that the launch drop that had me was like, okay, so they got Christmas lights up, right? They have a fucking watermelon patch and a cornfield. Like what? What time? What? What? Did they just leave the Christmas lights up for you know six months? I don't. I don't understand it. It didn't really make sense to well, me. They're was all it, wearing winter clo- like fall clothing too. And I so. get the I get the Christmas lights is like an homage to Child's Play, which takes place around Christmas because he gets the, the doll Chucky doll yeah. as a Christmas gift. So maybe that was the reference. But it just doesn't make sense. Why watermelon patch? 
why a cornfield? Where are we? <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> where is this place uh, that has watermelon and cornfields uh, together? I don't know. I just that whole thing was like, <laughs> what is happening right now? I didn't understand it. Um, but yeah, yeah. You no, know, it does look like a more like midwestern area. So it's like. You're not growing watermelons there. Yeah, I d- ever. Yeah. So why really is there sure. like watermelon patch? I'm not really sure where the yard. watermelon patch came from. Really, really strange uh, detail that was that was in there, and it seemed like it just needed it because they were like, you know, what would be cool. Chucky cuts this guy's face off and attaches it to a watermelon. You know, just the. Just I the think because they're thinking of like just like probably like what big produce could a tiller just you know fucking you know I guess sit there and you know chew through you know you, you know look cool watermelons. You yeah, know, the so, thing in Japan, summertime comes, they light off fireworks, then they smash a watermelon. The whole three, the whole thing just kind of threw me off. I was like, what? you know, watermelons, corn, weird. You don't eat your sweet corn with watermelon. It's called sweet corn for a reason. You know. Well, actually, I should say not watermelon and corn specifically. Watermelon, corn, and Christmas lights. I don't, I don't see the connection. This is like you know we're gonna make that the new Christmas tradition. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna put up the Christmas lights. We're gonna get some watermelon <laughs> and get in a couple ears of corn and just fucking go down. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have fun tonight. Um. So other than that, as we said, this movie is sort of like um. Sort of like a preteen escapade, you know. You've got Andy and his friends. Um, even though, even though, like you said, it's R. I do think it's kind of it is definitely more targeted to yeah, kid, like like a more preteen audience. Because like I said, like because the all the kids are so goddamn angsty. Like and it know? has that very um, that that very preteen adolescent. TV show quality to it of them getting together, you know. Andy's you adults not, just don't understand. Me. Yeah, and he's not well liked because it, for some reason he's not liked because he happens to have a hearing disability, uh, which is sort of something that the film presents like that would be a thing. And then you're left wondering, like, well, why? First of all, why do I, these kids I, I, care so much? I don't. <laughs> you know, no, I don't think. I don't think it's the kids don't like him because he's got a, you know, a hearing aid. I think it's just because he doesn't socialize. Well, it is that, but because so he's like, like, come on, have friends. The film oh, seems to present that the switch. adults feel like it's because he has a hearing disability, and it's like, because well, they're probably not, like, well, what's wrong with you? Maybe because must be because he can't hear well. He's like, know. most kids aren't going to be like, you know. Oh, I see you've got a hearing aid on, you fucking loser. loser. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just not really a thing. Um, see, they just got to do what I did with my lazy. I just, you know, turn into a positive and be like, if you got a new... Like, yeah, you're like a stand-up comic who's seeing the comedy and tragedy. Yeah, you just, that's what you do. Yeah. It's like, listen, you got a new hearing, you know, hearing loss joke. I'm all ears. Let's see how... <laughs> let's, you know, yeah. let's, let's, like, you yeah. know... Let's see what you can do. It's kind of like with my lazy eye. If someone's just like, you got a lazy eye, I'm like, yeah. the other I haven't been hearing that for 30 years. The other thing that I find kind of interesting is that um, the film seems to be, like, extremely stereotypical sometimes. Like, you had the black kid who's saying, make him say, um, <laughs> this, this is for Tupac. Tupac. And he has a picture on his phone of him with a middle finger up. Like in a, you know, very stereotypical gangster pose. Um, 
I was just like kind of blown away by the stereotype that was presented there throughout the whole thing. Um, so that's what, the kid wouldn't even know who Tupac was, probably. So that's what when that's, I that's, say, uh, that's yeah. twenty-five years, you know, years ago. When I say the writing is suspect, I f- you know, that's what I'm talking about. That those sort of things where luckily, you have luckily the performances, you know, yeah, care, the, those are fine. And you know what? Sometimes you can get away with that, you know, that less than stellar writing because the film is is very tongue in cheek, and it it works to its advantage by just you know. Having a humorous side to it that no. stands out. Well, I th- as I'm pretty sure we said before in the podcast, you can have the world's greatest script if you don't have the actors to carry it. It's going to be dog shit. Yeah, you know, if you have a crappy script, you can always have the actors to carry it. It's the same thing with directing. You know, you can have the world's greatest director carry crap, but if you have like the greatest thing ever thought up of in a shitty director is just not going to come to light so yeah here you know even the child actors in this i'd say not a single one of them god bless their souls is annoying that's right and i think that it really just works because this is i think that the script just runs with the fun of the film it's really not you know it's not going for anything overtly um thematic you know, it has that subset of the the film that talks about, you know, we should be careful about uh, how much technology we let into our lives. But other than that, it just kind of runs with the fun of having a rogue doll running loose and, and kind of machine learning that, you know, it's okay to commit murder and, uh, you know, do whatever else it needs to to be friends with its main uh, target, Andy. And I think that, you know, the that's... First, the first mistake was them not cr- truly correcting Chucky for saying Andy Sup. Andy Sup? Yeah. yeah. Instead of just Andy. You He's, gotta teach it right right yeah. when it's messing up. He should have beat Chucky right then. No. <laughs> yeah, they should have had... Uh, they should have just given him a beat down and taught him the, taught him a lesson. That's how... That's right. That's uh, reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Negative reinforcement. <laughs> Negative reinforcement. Beat them up until they see the error of their ways. Um, so yeah, there's that other, you know, that that other um, less thematic, less uh, explicit th- thematic idea that we're sort of teaching Chucky and the Buddy Doll bad things. I mean, throughout you see like them doing things to teach Buddy what to do, and and they're not. They're not good things. Scare uh, his mom's boyfriend. Um, you know, all of these things that they're teaching him, uh, or, or even stabbing, like stabbing a unicorn. No, the big, the biggest problem is them using a fucking gigantic chef's knife to cut their sandwiches. That's it, right there. That's, that's like that's, that's like, the, like uh, you know, and some people keep loaded guns in their house. <laughs> well, you're also not doing yourself any favors by using. A giant, you know, butcher knife to cut your sandwiches PB&J with. sandwich. Yeah. It's just overkill. The butter knife that you use to butter, you know, spread the peanut butter and jelly on your sandwich, it's good enough to cut, too. That Maybe. That, that white bread's not that Maybe hard. they're smarter than we are, though. Maybe using that giant knife makes the spreading easier. And so they have, like, a, a life hack it, there. It never had any... 
peanut butter or jelly on it. It's always yeah, that clean. is true. They it's always like, like it's always like, like putting on the whistle. peanut butter and jelly. They're like, all right, Miss Butter Knife, useless <laughs> now. Throw it out. <laughs> Let me grab the butcher knife. <laughs> Diagonal slice. Gets the crust off and what? Not only that though, but twice now they have left an entire PB and J just sitting on the cutting board with a knife. Why do they do that? Who is not? At the very least, packaging this peanut butter and jelly sandwich up for the next day's lunch at school or work, or eating it at the time like a normal fatso. And we, well, I guess we know that for that that's not happened because Arby Plaza is extremely skinny, and um, the kid is too, so. They're not eating it at the time. They're probably taking it with them for lunch. Well, because she works at Zedmark. It's true. Still, though, don't just leave your your freshly made peanut butter and jelly sandwich sitting on the counter. You should put that away. Bacteria-borne diseases are sitting in your peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> um, what else did we talk about with uh, Child's Play? We have not talked talked about Mark Hamill yet. Yeah, Mark. I mean, we touched on him a little bit, but uh, the voice of Chucky is. Obviously, Mark Hamill. And um, as good as he is, as much as I love Mark Hamill and the work he's done over his vast career, he's no Breddorf. You think he's phoning it in in this one? I don't think he's phoning it in, but it does come across as like a just generic Mark Hamill. Like guest, like voiceover. Like he showed up, and they were like, and he 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 was like, you know, what do you want me to do for Chucky? And they're like, just be Mark Hamill. That's basically what kind happens. Of, yeah. yeah, he doesn't really have that much inflection throughout most of the film until like the end where he's kind of like creeping it up a little bit. I guess, yeah. But for the bit, most yeah. part, she's like, "Hi, folks, I'm Mark Hamill." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost just, I, that, that'd be great. If, like every time you like um, started up your buddy doll, like, "Hello, this is the buddy doll from the Kazan Corporation. I am your host." Mark Hamill here to guide you know, as yeah. he's, as if he's William Shatner guiding you through. It is just like very generic Mark Hamill voice. It's it's nothing, you know. There's no um, nuance. Yeah, there's no real attempt to uh, differentiate it from anything else that Mark Hamill does, you know, in in speech or whatever. Um, which I guess is okay. I would compare it to like his Fire Lord Ozai portrayal in Avatar. Okay, I don't have any experience with that, but uh, have you never watched Avatar? No. Well, he's the villain, the the big villain, and. The show for okay. Lord Ozai, Zuko's father, and even though I love the Avatar, Avatar, and it's one of the best series I've ever seen, I think his performance in that's also kind of phoned in too because it's just generic Mark Hamill voice and not very inflective. Mm. Even when he's like getting super angry because that's like what he does. Like, I'm super angry, Ooh, you know. It's yeah. just kind of like. Slightly beefed up Mark Hamill. You get the feeling with that here too. Like I said, I love him. I love most of the things he does. Even like the things like this that aren't that great are still very good. You know, still enjoyable. But here, here you're right. I would say it's kind of you know phoned in. There's not nothing like you know because Brad Dorif in the you know is just so eccentric Mm -hmm. when he's doing Chucky throughout all the films, you know, right? with all his one-liners and his inflection throughout, you know, here's 
nothing you know too remarkable about it. Yeah, unfortunately, and I um, I mean, I think he does okay. You're right. He does uh, at the towards the end. He does get a little bit more um, into the role, but uh, as a you know, as someone who has done voice acting before, um, you would think that he would have a little bit more. Nuance, and this is this sort of kind of feels like he came in. They gave him the script and said, "Here, read this." You know, you know, just like he probably, he's probably I imagine he probably was like like tone like toning it up a bit, and like Mark, you just tone down. You're just a doll. Yeah, I you're think just a rogue doll. They definitely could have had a little bit more to him than what he's giving, and I don't know. If, you know, I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's the direction that he was given, but. It does, I'd like to think gives the direction. Yeah, it does seem like you know he could have. There could have been more there than what's given. Yeah, than what what happens there. Um, so I mean, I think it's fine. It works, but could have been more there. You could have used Mark Hamill more to their advantage. I honestly thought he'd be the best. You know, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to see this mm-hmm. film. Yeah, was because he was in it and. Probably one of the bigger disappointments of the film. <laughs> um, anything else that we didn't talk about? We hit on everything? I think that's about it. I think that's pretty much it. You know, like we said, this is like not something you're going to think about really hard and go home and be like, you're not going to walk away. Play. You're not going to walk away thinking you just saw Citizen Kane. That's right. You're not going to, you're not like, child's play. I brought up a lot of, <laughs> lot of interesting questions. Um, you, you know, it's, it's a fun movie and, uh, I think that, I think that critics were a little bit hard on it in terms of just looking for like, um, like meaning behind this movie. There really is, it's, it's the face value of it is all that you get, but watching it is pretty entertaining. And that's really all that you can ask for, for something like this. I'm not really looking for a child's play movie to change my perspective on, um, like uh, sweatshops <laughs> in Vietnam or anything like that. Um, so, you know, I what I was looking for, I got and I had fun with it. And I think that's pretty much what was it in, intended with uh, this Child's Play remake. And went in a different direction than what, you know, I was expecting it to do. Wasn't it Dr. Steve Brule that said sometimes a dringus is a dringus? That's right. Yeah. I think that was. I think yeah. I think that uh, very so, accurately sums up yeah, this yeah. film. Sometimes that's, a very apt, a cigar very and apt, sometimes uh, a dingle is a dringle. Apt quotation there. Ringo. All right. So um, on a scale of uh, out of 10 non-app-powered hedge trimmers, what would you give – Child's Play 2019. You know, that's something we didn't talk about, but okay. Um, I'll give it a six and a half. It's enjoyable. Um, I think the acting overall is pretty well done. The child actors, um, I'll give a shout out to. Like I said, they did a pretty good job. Andy was very tolerable. His friends were tolerable. Very believable, too. I thought Aubrey Plaza was good. Think a little underutilized, um, especially with her great sense of dry humor. Though she does have her moments, I think they could have, you know, utilized that a little bit more. Same thing with Mark Campbell too. As much as I love him and the work he's done, I think they could have kind of, like I said, I agree with you. I don't think it's very much him. I think it's more kind of a direction to kind of be more stoic. If they had him kind of ham it up a bit, 
that would have, you know, made it more enjoyable too. I think even though the overall motif of the film is at this point played out of it works, creates a new spin, makes it different, and updates a ridiculous idea and plot from the 80s into something palatable for modern audiences. As Ryan said, don't go looking for the meaning of life in this. Just turn off your mind for 90 minutes and enjoy the carnage that ensues. Because one thing we didn't talk about was the gore and the kills. For the most part, they're not that gory. There's a couple kills that are. But when they do utilize that gore, it is you kind of you know unique and cool in how Chucky kind of gets to them. So I'd say a six and a half. Um, I think I'd probably give it like a, a seven and a half. I had fun with it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, some some of the uh, cheesier elements to it, um, you know, kind of detracted. And like I said, some of the logic behind the film, I, I had a I question. But other than that, like without thinking too hard about it, I had fun. I thought it was a, an interesting take on Chucky and Child's Play. Um, went in different directions that I, I kind of liked. Um, I liked the... Uh, you know, the technology aspect of it, if only because it gives Chucky some more unique abilities to kill people. Um, I know that they wanted to stick with um, ch- a lot of times Chucky using his bare hands, um, but we do get some unique kills um, that don't involve just Chucky stabbing, you know, or, or at least the setup to those kills. Um so I like that quite a bit. So there's some uniqueness there. I think the writing is okay. Um, it kind of suffers a little bit from the writing, but the uh, actors make up for it. Um, and like you, like we talked about, Mark Hamill, probably one of the weaker parts of it just because of the direction of it, probably um, asking him to go really you know, minimal uh, on his deliveries. Um, other than that, though, I, I thought everything else was pretty fun. Um, and, you know, if you're not taking this too seriously and just watching it as a, you know, as a very uh, puff movie, uh, I think you're going to enjoy it and, and have fun with it as a, you know, solid horror slasher um, that tries to change up the child's play formula in a way that differentiates it from what we're going to get from a, you know, another child's play TV series. Definitely uh, interesting ideas. And I like that rather than just redoing the film um, in a different way. So. Fun times. I enjoyed it. Glad we glad we covered it for this this show. Probably would have been better in theaters. Yeah, I think so. Probably. Still, though, a lot of fun. I had fun with it. It's because they relied a lot on the scares being, you know, audio. Mm-hmm. You know, going for the jump scare kind of sound cues and yeah. not actually having anything. So I think with that, you know, more bombastic sound in theater would have, you know, probably been more impactful. Brought it out a little bit. Yeah. All right, so um, next week I think we're going to do Parasite, or in two weeks we're going to do Parasite, and uh, definitely get that that done. And before we move on, Leprechaun, yeah, yeah, we'll have to take a look a little bit at the uh, schedule to make sure that we're going to be okay uh, on time. And if not, maybe we'll cram a couple episodes in, you know, and do uh, weekly for a little bit. But uh, I think our next episode will be Parasite. We'll get to Leprechaun in the Hood. Um, have some fun with that. So, and also, you know what we talked about? Fuck, we talked about doing Valentine as well for the Valentine's Day show. And you know what? Maybe we will. Maybe we will do that because um, 
What's today? Today is the 5th. So in so, a week would be Valentine's. Yeah. So maybe we will. Maybe we'll do Valentine next week, actually. And we'll put that in. We'll get our special holiday episode in uh, for Valentine's Day. Here at the Blood and Black Rum Podcast, we are suckers for our holiday-themed slashers. That's right. We are. Yeah. So maybe we'll do Valentine. That sounds, that sounds like fun. You know, sure you don't want to do my bloody Valentine again? The, the, the re- remastered cut? The uncut? No, nah, I think yeah. we're good. I think we covered it pretty much. But uh, Be drinking Schlitz again, you know? Well, yeah. Saying there's a moose loose about the hoose. Huh. Moose head. Yeah. Some moose head. Um, yeah. I, all right. So we'll do Valentine next week, and then we will move on to Parasite the week after that. So you'll get a double double dose of Blood and Black Rum podcast just because of the holiday. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening. We are on pretty much every podcasting app that you can think of. So anything that you use, we're on it. Uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, um, pretty much everything we're Audible? on. So, huh? Audible? Audible is for books, so no. We are a book. Spotify, we are on them. <laughs> uh, so subscribe to us. Leave a nice review. Appreciate that. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. We have a um, Patreon where you can donate to us at patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Um, and we also have an email address. If you'd like to write to us, let us know what we, we should cover on the show. It's blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, write to us. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see covered on the show. And we will hopefully oblige that thanks for listening we will be back next week with a special valentine's day episode of valentine that we just decided right now (laughs) and until then take care